Good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children go to junior worship now. If you're ages four through third grade, you just work in that direction. If you're new with children, just head in that direction. And while they're going, I want to make you aware, always as we do every Sunday, of a special way that you can worship God, and that is with your offering, a very important aspect of our worship to God. There are four ways that you can express your offering of worship to God. You can mail a check to the church address. You can uh, through our uh, automatic draft through a bank. You can arrange that. It's quite easy to do. You can go online to our website and click on give. You can give in that way. Or for those of you that are with us this morning here in person, there's a basket on the desk on the way out. You can certainly put it there. Also want to let you know that we are in the life group sign up period and so we have our life group sign up table. You can't miss it because it has the same picture of the orange couch back there and so I um, would encourage you to come back and talk to us if you uh, not in a group come talk to us if you're in a group come talk to us about people well I'm going to talk about that day so I'm not saying any more about it just come back there hey listen there was a young lady that let, read for us in our scripture reading today her name and you is, is Layla Philemonchuk and she just went back to junior worship her dad's name is, is, we would pronounce it in English, William. If I tried to, there is William. And William came up to me after Layla. I said, Layla, good job reading. He came up and told me, um, because of William's uh, heritage from the Ukraine, my next-door neighbor, Ruslan, and Valentina Mamoyatuk, also from the Ukraine, and William knows his family quite well. Um, Ruslan's father passed away of COVID at about midnight in this about midnight tonight, this morning. And so um, I appreciate you, William, asking that we would pray for this family. So would, would you join me in prayer as we, before we get into our Bible study this morning? Father, our hearts are heavy. And we offer up to you, Ruslan and Valentina. And we lift up Nathaniel and Eric and the other family members of Ruslan's father who passed away. They're carrying a very heavy grief. And I love, I absolutely love the, what you call yourself, the paraclete, the one who comes to our side. And we ask in a very palpable, tangible, very real way that you would come to the side of this, of this dear family so much so that they would find companionship in the midst of this lonely period of emptiness that they're feeling and they would find comfort in the midst of the grief that they are carrying. And it's wonderful, Father, that though we cannot be by the side of this family right now who are in a distant place, although I can with my next door neighbors, I, we thank you that your presence is there. We offer them up to you. And we ask now, O Paraclete, that you would come to our side here in this room and that you would speak to us and offer myself uh, as your instrument towards that cause. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Jude 26. Jude verse 26. Oh, there's not 26 verses in Jude. My bad. <laughs> not many laughs out of that. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going. No, not Jude. Thousands of people have gathered in Jerusalem 
And the Holy Spirit, he does this. Be, be, be attentive to the Spirit leading your life. When he sees an opportunity, he takes it and he moves you into it. And he took the disciples and he, he moved them into this. Wow, look at these people. This is a golden opportunity. And he empowered the disciples and he spoke through them this incredible the gospel, the, the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And now following that, we read these words. Verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, to help you not sit there and go, what's he, you ever had a preacher and you're going, what in the world is he trying to say? Just to, to avoid that and to let you know exactly what I'm going to tell you today. Here's the purpose. Here's my goal. Here's what I'm trying to do today. To those of you who are not in life groups, I'm trying to convince you to come to the table and sign up for a group today. And I'll just straight up let you know that. For those of you that are in life groups, my goal is to convince you to go find somebody you do that's not a group and bring them to the table to sign up. And there are a number of you who are not in life groups who really need to start one in your home. And so my goal is to help you say, you know what? That's right. I need to start a life group. So that, that's, that's where we're headed this morning. That's what I want to talk about. And I want to use this passage here in Acts chapter 2 to do this. Because our, our life group, many say, we're going to talk about life groups in a sermon? This ministry is so important. It is so vital to the life of our church. It merits us stopping. Not only today, but even next week. We're going to dig into this passage. And I didn't want to really use this passage because I know, man, this is one most of us are familiar with. If you go on, on, on the internet and say, type in Bible passage for life groups, you're probably going to find this one. You've probably, I'm pretty much certain here I've taught in in talking about life groups I've actually taught about this passage but just recently I thought no I, I need I need to do this again and here's why a few Sundays ago Kevin and I were were co-teaching the Sunday morning teen class that we've entitled Before You Leave. And we're just covering all these different topics to help our teenagers have their own faith. Not their parents' faith, but their own faith so that when they get out on their own, they're going to be solid and, and, and ready to stand on their own. And so we've been covering all these different foundational truths. And one of those truths is the church. And so Kevin and I went here to Acts chapter 2. And we had two objectives with the teenagers. And, and the two objectives were basically, number one, to help them understand, man, when you leave home and get out on your own, it's important to find a local church. Not just a church, a local church to be involved in. That's important. The church is an important foundation in your life. You need that. But we also looked at this passage and said, when you're out there on your own and you're looking, well, I don't know what kind of church to look for. Just open up to this passage, read this, and look for a church just like this. This is a, is a tremendous guide and so to use when you're looking for a church. And so as we were talking about this with our teenagers, I realized, man, we, I think it's not just teenagers who need to be reminded of this. 
it seems really clear to me that too much of too much of a large degree a lot of those who regard themselves as followers of Jesus have lost sense of the important place that church plays in their walking with Christ and to a, a large degree it seems as though church has been reimagined revisioned or or a, a, a different idea has developed of what church is, and we need to go back and be reminded, no, no, wait a minute. What, what does Scripture really show us? Kevin recently sent our elders and ministry staff an article that he came across. It was on the website, Ministry Architects. Ministry Architects is written by a guy named Rob Dyer. And the title of the article is, They're Not Coming Back. And he starts out the article by talking about our young people and how prior to the pandemic, man, it's just like we're just losing our kids. Once they get out there on their own, they just basically are not engaging and connecting in, 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 a, in a local church body. But then he went on to say what's really interesting is that once the pandemic hit, it became a problem widespread to people who, of, of, of all ages, not just a, a situation with our young people. And I'm sitting there reading this article and thinking, oh yeah, yeah, here at Eastside, we get this, but it's not just here at Eastside, it's, it's nationwide, perhaps it's even international. We, we remember, don't you remember when in person, we never used to call church in-person church, but now we have that terminology. When in-person church came to a halt, and we shifted to what we, we, we were calling, even Jake mentioned it, virtual church. Online, through live streaming. What, what does it mean? That's a really interesting word, that, that word virtual. I think I know what it means. So I went to the dictionary to look it up. And this is what I found. Virtual means almost or nearly, but not completely according to a strict definition. And in the world of computers, we use the word virtual to mean it, it not physically existing, but it's made possible to appear as such through technology such as computers. And so we had, for an extended period of time, virtual church almost nearly kind of church but not completely, but made to feel like it is through the use of our computers and technology. But then here's what happened, or here's what is happening, not here, but in all churches, what has happened is that virtual church has now become real church. And what I mean by that, virtual church has, to a large degree, replaced the true sense of real church, and it's led many to re redefine what church really is and to lose sight of the importance of church. With many concluding by their experience at home, you know this, in your pajamas, with your coffee cup, sitting on the couch, thinking, man, I, I kind of like, like church like this. I can do church right here at home with Dr. David Jeremiah or Joyce Meyer or Joel Olstein or Eddie White or whatever your televangelist may be of choice. What's well, funny? 
is that really church? And then here's what, what happened, what, what the guys that do all the research and do all the surveys of church leaders find out what's going on is that even those who've been connecting virtually are starting to connect less and less even virtually. And then, and then, then it, once things began to open up, then everybody's going to come back. But then everybody didn't come back, hasn't started come back. Talk to preachers in any church. And for a while there, we're going, well, yeah, yeah, okay, we get that. There's reasons, there's reasons because, well, they're waiting until we don't have to social distance or they're waiting until we social distance or they're waiting until uh, we don't have to wear a mask anymore or they're waiting until we're wearing masks again. And, and then, well, they're, they're waiting, they're, they're not coming back now because, well, you know, there's a variant, so I'm just going to stop and, and say something before I make a lot of people mad, especially those of you that are, are with us uh, live streaming. I want to add this here so that I'm not misunderstood. This thing, COVID, is very real. I just prayed for a man who died of it last night. That was the person I prayed for. So this is incredibly real. And there are some members of our church who were not able to be here. They should not be here because of their health concerns. We deeply respect them and we stand behind you all, certainly. And you're just as much a part of us as anyone. But while that's the case, it's important that those who aren't able to be here, because just because you're sitting here doesn't mean you're making it happen with church. We're going to talk about that next week. Don't think, oh, I've, I've got that one checked off. I'm here. Not necessarily. But it's really complicated when you can't be here. So it's incredibly important. And we had to learn this while we were completely not in person. It's important to learn in my health situation with the wise cautions that I have. It's important for me to, to still engage. To still reach out and still connect and still live church. And so Laura and Gary Geiger are with us this morning. I'm, I'm assuming that. They're with us every Sunday morning. Laura cannot be here because of her health situation. But she contacted Christy and Lauren Schwamm. She had them come over. And they had a special thing that they did together. That's, that's connecting. That's in engaging. Karen Gibson cannot be. We love you, Karen. She was on the screen here with her granddaughter. She's still, she's still connecting with us. And those of us that are here, we need not to forget them, okay? Just because, let's not this, how would you say, out of sight, out of mind. That cannot be. Who are these people? We need to be contacting them. We need to be encouraging them. Lillian Geist should not and cannot be here, but I hear from her constantly she is filling my bucket of my fuel tank with encouragement she's she's living church to the best of her ability but truth be told for some it's not really about a health concern anymore even though they're kind of saying that it is and for some it's not about a mask but a, and this is a word in our text, a devotion to church has weakened. Maybe in some type, type, some ways has become lost. And churches view differently. 
And then, here's another thing. You toss into that pandemic, you toss in the influence and the impact of our technology, our, our mobile devices or whatever technology you may use. While they connect us to what we call social media, isn't it fair to ask, is that really social? Or has it created a false sense of being social? When in truth, with far too many people, it's creating a greater degree of privacy and isolationism. Turning us more and more inward towards ourselves rather than outwards towards others. I mean, is it not, that, does that not happen? You can be in a huge crowd, surrounded by people, but in your own little, private, isolated world of your device, as we call them. You can, that can even happen in your family at home. You can, you can be out at a restaurant with a friend or with your spouse at a restaurant on a date but really not be there because you're on social media being so unsocial. And that whole stuff is like, it's kind of moved into church life. And so right now, while I'm doing what I'm doing, and there's a lot of us that are here, and there are some who are involved in sitting in the crowd, you're not with us because you're engaged in your isolated world, even right now in your cell phones. I see you. Oh, that was awkward. I'm not going to point. It happens. It happens. And so, it's just all of this. It's like the, 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 the fear, the danger is we're kind of figuring out how to be Christians without church, really. We're figuring out how to be Christians without others. And, and there's this discovery that church really isn't that necessary part of my life as a follower of Jesus. Or maybe I can just do church with me and my technology. And so there's a whole bunch of other things that influence this. But I just think that's why we need to look at this passage as a reminder of how important this fellowship is for the follower of Jesus Christ and what church, what God intends for it to be. And so it, we see that here in Acts chapter 2. And, and this passage does a great job in answering two questions. He answers the question, or it answers the question, what and, and, and why? What is church? What's it supposed to be? Read this, as we're going to, as we did. And the second question is why? Because I can tell you the what, but if we're not driven by the why, then the what's not going to be very, very helpful. So next week, we're going to unlock, we're going to dig deep into this passage, and we're, there's a lot of details we're going to look at. This is what church is supposed to be like. This is the picture. This is what God wants it to be. Today, all I want to do is answer the question, well, why is it even important? Why do I need, even need to listen next week? And the, the answer to that, while it's found in our text, I want to pull out, zoom out from that, and I want to look at the larger context of this passage at, at, at the, the um, stage that's set in the passage that precede our, our text, and then look at Scripture that follows it. 
Prior to this picture of the description of the early church that we're given in Acts chapter 2, we, we see, as I mentioned earlier, the 12 disciples of Jesus, they've just shared the gospel message, the story of Jesus Christ. And thousands have gathered there in Jerusalem. And upon hearing this, we read in chapter 2 and verse 41 that some 3,000 people were baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and for the reception of the Holy Spirit. And so just a little side point. Did you hear that? If you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to do that even today, to come and talk to one of us, to study with us. This is incredibly important. Because when you're baptized, that is, that is your step of an expression of a commitment and a devotion to Jesus Christ. But there's more at play in this story than you just devoting yourself to Jesus Christ. Notice it says here in verse 41 that those who received his word were baptized and they were added to their number that day about 3,000 souls. Talking about an incredible experience. Now, added to their number means the number of those who were already disciples. And there's probably about 132, if I'm counting correctly, and I may not be. We're now going to have, we have a mega church overnight of 3,132. You may be wondering how I'm getting that number. I'm not going to spend time on that right now. But I want you to notice now the very next thing that's mentioned. Now that we've been baptized into Christ, it's not, and they all went off on their own and figured out their own thing their own ways. It says here in verse 42, they devoted themselves. And I'm not going to keep reading, but as you keep reading that, and we're going to look at, look at it more next week, it's basically saying they devoted themselves to one another, to the church. That's like the very first thing that happens. That's really what I want you to see, that this devotion to Christ, this gospel that has engaged them and embraced them to convict them, to give their life to Jesus, it, it, it's automatically led them to a devotion to others in the body of Christ. That's the first thing God wants you to see as the early church was born. Why? Because it's important. And so this completely obliterates the notion that sometimes we hear, well, I'm devoted to Jesus, but uh, I, not to the church. I'm just not in, I'm not into the organized religion. Well, are you into disorganized religion? <laughs> Think about that. I, you've heard this. I love Jesus. I think some guy wrote a book, something like this. I love Jesus but man, I, I don't like the church. Uh-uh. But now, in Scripture, we read that the church is the bride of Christ. Are you going to say to Jesus, I love you, I want you, but I don't have anything to do with your bride? Is he going to be good with that? You say to me, Eddie, I want to be your friend. I don't like Karen. I don't want to be her friend. Uh, we ain't going to be friends. <laughs> you say to me, Eddie, we would love for you to come over and eat dinner at our house, but we'd rather Karen not come along. We just, I ain't coming. <laughs> we're, 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 we're a package deal, you see. I don't come without my bride, not unless she's out of town. And by the way, she actually is out of town right now. So you just keep that 
in mind. We now, Kevin and I, <laughs> uh, Kevin and I, we, we were going over this with the teenagers, and in our illustration that I think we've used here, I can't remember in this setting, is that you just can't do this. You can't say, I love Colorado Springs, I want to be here in Colorado Springs, but I'm not interested in having anything to do with El Paso County. Not at all. And I'm thinking, uh, have you looked at your map? <laughs> you can't do that. You cannot be a part of Colorado Springs without being a part of El Paso County because Colorado Springs is smack dab in the middle of El Paso County. And have you ever looked in your Bible? You cannot be engaged and devoted to Jesus Christ, but not to his church because he's right in the middle of his church. Biblical sense, and it's really common sense, tells you that this is very clear but sadly we're figuring out how to be connected to Jesus what we're figuring out to do was really not possible but we think we're accomplishing it when we're really not that we're connected with Jesus but we'd not really need to be connected and devoted to others so what I want you to see in the flow of this passage from this larger context in the passage that precedes us this these people that that were cut to the heart. That's, the, that's what the passage used, one of the translations, that were moved by the gospel message that expressed their devotion to Jesus. Peter didn't, didn't, then didn't say, and you need to go to church. It just naturally flows out of that. Did you see that? There's just this devotion to Christ that naturally fled, uh, flow, flow, flowed into <laughs> a devotion to God's people. And so if I'm not devoted to the church, it's very likely that means that there's something in my devotion to Jesus that's missing. There's something about Jesus and the gospel that has yet to really embrace me because there's something natural that happens when that happens in its church life. A devotion, a devotion. When someone is devoted to something, they're obsessed with it. And it's not complicated to follow someone's life and to figure out what they're obsessed with. Just watch them. We'll talk about that more next week. So that's, that's what's leading up to our passage. And then you start reading after this passage. And... Wow, from, from Acts 2, when the church was born, perhaps we could say, until the end of the Bible, this theme of the church is like, what are the main themes? And we got some background music to go along with that. Um, Acts, if you didn't hear that, we had some over here. Isn't that embarrassing? I always turn mine off. I'm always, my greatest fear is something's going to happen with this, my device, as we call it. Um, after you read Acts chapter 2 until the end of the book, the church is, is the main theme. You read the book of Acts, and it's not, and they went out and they taught this person, this person to become Christians, and everybody else went off to their homes and worked on their relationships with Jesus. No, they were planting. It's a book about planting churches. That's what started in Acts chapter 2 until the end of the Acts book of Acts. And then you follow Acts. Every single book, every single one of them in the New Testament is written about the church. It's written to churches about individuals and their engagement. Not in the universal church. I don't want you going, I'm part of the universal church. No, local church involvement. That's the theme. In the whole New Testament. 
And then you walk into um, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, listen, read it in chapters 1, 2, and 3, is not written to seven individual Christians about their seven individual personal relationships with Jesus Christ. It's written to seven local churches. And here's my concern is that we have, I know I have, so overemphasized a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which I love the idea of that, but have so emphasized that to the point that perhaps I or we have de-emphasized the communal relationship with his people, the church. And I think the reason behind that was, for me, historically, in my memory, it was like, the church, the church, the church. You got to be in the right church. You got to be in the right church. And here's what the right church looks like. And like, is anybody talking about Jesus? So, well, without that, it's really a mistake. So we swung to this other extreme. And so now it's all about Jesus and the person, although there's really not in Scripture a personal relationship with Jesus, it's a communal relationship. They, they just go hand in hand. And that's what you see in Scripture. As a matter of fact, when God was creating the world, he says, that's going to be one of the foundations of creation. He made Adam. And as soon as he made Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And that's not talking exclusively about marriage, but that's making the point. Your relationship with God, it's, it's just you were made to, be, to live that out in community. And so that's the Old Testament story of not this person, this person, but of Israel and living out your relationship with God through the community of Israel. In the New Testament, living out your relationship with God through the community of the church. Well, why is that such a, a dominant theme. It's a theme that was established from creation. Listen, God made you for this. God wired you for this. You were made, I was made, we were created and made for one another. And if you say, well, I don't need others, I'm just not that kind of a person. I'm good in my own private, isolated world then you're in disagreement with God. And secondly, that's incredibly selfish. In this sense, you may not feel like you need others. But please know, others need you and who you are and what you have to offer. So this is the theme. Not just... Acts 2 to the end, it's from Genesis to the end. And you're thinking, well, wow, why, why is that so important? So there's another story. There's a, there's a parallel story in the New Testament side by side with the story of the church that helps explain, oh, I think I understand why this is so important. You read in Acts chapter 2 from the time that, that these people became Christians and the church was established, the parallel story is the persecution of the church. If you became a Christian, you started experiencing unkind things from your parents and your family and your friends and your workmates. You became ostracized. You became disliked. You, they were mocked. They were made fun of. They were arrested. They were imprisoned. They were martyred. They were stoned to death. They were be beheaded. And as Jesus predicted, and listen, it's going to get worse. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so the, for a matter of survival, the church was established 
for God's people. And that's that passage many of us know in Hebrews 10, 25 that, that says, well, you don't be neglecting the church. And we've heard that like, oh dear, if I don't go to church, I'm going to go to hell. That's not the context of that passage. The context of that passage is we are going through incredibly hard times in our lives. We need one another for the sake of survival. And that is basically, if you would allow me to go back to Jude, that's what we were learning in Jude. Our church and the Christian faith are under attack. Our nation, I could explain it to our world, but our world and our nation is growing increasingly more and more, not only non-Christian, but anti-Christian. I'm not a prophet, but I'm not inclined to think it's going to get better, but instead worse. We desperately need one another. And then, toss a pandemic in there. This guy in this article that was talking about the, the pandemic that I referred to earlier, he says, we have experienced, a sh uh, uh, we are a traumatized people, he describes. We have all together, our lives were just stopped and painfully impacted by this complicated story. We have all experienced a shared trauma. We desperately need one another. And that's what makes it so hard for me when, when there are individuals who are leaving or disappearing at a time when we need them now more than ever. In God's wisdom, he's given us the local church as a place of support and strength and need in a needed refuge and our life groups are where that happens and and and, and certainly so well, I thought he was going to talk about life groups and now I'm swinging back to that certainly we want this moment to experience that but I'm going as you're going to learn next week you come here come in here experience this moment and leave and not experience what God says true church is intended to be but you can't do that in a life group it's impossible it's impossible. There's no way you're going to be engaged in a life group and not experience the true nature of what church is intended to be. So we're going to talk about that more next week. So I'm going to give an invitation to this sermon. But instead of, uh, you know, we used to call it the invitation. The invitation song, come down front and we'll see who you are. And we'll know what I want you to do is I want you, I'm going to walk out there after the benediction to that table. And I want to invite you to come there. And, and, and sign up for a life group. I want to encourage you to do that. But as, as, as we're going now to, to walk into a prayer song based upon the truth that we just learned about here in Scripture, we desperately need one another. We are a traumatized, hurting people. We may have smiles on our faces, but we need one another desperately. And so in a moment, as, a, after, as we stand and sing in a moment, I want to encourage you to go find somebody. and just This can be our meet and greet. Go pray with someone. If you know they need prayers, or if you're the one that needs prayers, raise your hand and or find one of our shepherds to pray with them. Um, or if you just want to encourage someone, let's, let's stand together and let's practice church. Let me start us out with a prayer, and then I want to encourage you to continue that together. Father, we've heard this passage before. And I was reluctant to cover it again, but I felt as though it was needed. And I pray now that you will take these words and embed them in their hearts. 
Help us to truly be the church that you have called us to be. We reach out to you now and we reach out to one another in prayer. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.